Welcome to Communicast, a communication skills podcast. I'm Scott D'Amico, president of Communispond. Today I'm chatting with Mike Yinger, who is the COO and co-founder of Resume Civ. Resume Civ is an advanced AI power candidate evaluation platform that minimizes the time to find the top candidates by ranking them based on the requirements you provide. Check out the episode here, Mike discuss how to become a better listener, the importance of self-awareness, and what it means to have gravitas. I hope you enjoy. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. To get things started, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your career journey, and really what you're working on today? Scott, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for allowing me to be part of your podcast. I've been... Uh, primarily, I've been in talent acquisition for the last 20 years. Before that, I had, I think, two other careers. I was in tech consulting, and before that, I was in transportation. And so it's been an interesting journey over the course of my life. Uh, particularly the last 20 years, I've done a number of things, primarily in the outsourcing space of talent acquisition. I've been in charge of sales. I've done client delivery. I've done implementation. I've done technology all those things really have recently led me up to what I've been working on for the last year and a half, which is a startup in the, in the tech space, uh, HR tech space. We have an application that works at the very front end of the recruiting process to make it easier for recruiters to evaluate and rank resumes. And I had, I'd been, as I say, I'd been in the tech space and the HR space for about 20 years and an opportunity came up thankfully for uh, COVID, <laughs> I should say, I did make it a totally positive experience. COVID really wreaked havoc in uh, my, my previous firm. And so I was out and about looking for things to do. I was doing some consulting and the people at Resume Civ were just in the process of getting formed up. And they said, would you like to come help us get the company up and running? And I said, sure, that sounds like a great idea. I like the product. I like the space. And that was uh, last May. So uh, a year ago, May, and we've been hard at it since then bringing our application to market and building partnerships and so forth. Very cool. Well, that's always good to find the silver linings in things, right? So we'll look for the positive of something. So glad that out of everything, it led you to a new opportunity. And it seems throughout this career, which pretty wide ranging going within HR, tech, consulting, more on the talent acquisition side, even into transportation and leadership roles along the way, Throughout that journey, I'm sure you've interacted with a lot of folks or working with HR companies, hear a lot about it, the idea of strong communication skills or somebody is a good communicator. When you hear that from your experience or the seat that you're sitting in today, what does it mean to you when, when, when you hear that somebody is a good communicator or they have great communication skills? The first thing that I think of when I think of great communicator is somebody who can listen. And listening is such an interesting verb because we all think, well, we've got two ears. We can listen to anything we want to, right? Well, then there's, then there's active listening, which is really paying attention to what somebody's saying. This is a, a, a skill that I've worked on and continue to work on because it's, it's something you have to overcome these internal urges to be the first out with a new thought. And so listening, I think, is the, the key to being a good communicator because you before you say something to somebody, you really need to understand what is it that was coming from them. And so I focus really on communication when I think about listening, when I think about communication and what does it mean to be a good communicator? And once you get past that, 
there certainly are skills that involve how you speak. All too often, uh, I won't name names, but we can think of uh, many feet, uh, people in the public sphere and you just listen to them. And for me, it turns me off just to listen to them because of the verbal shortcuts they take or the words that they slaughter or the words that they use way too frequently. I know it drives my kids crazy, but I'm on a one man journey to end the misuse of the word like. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Things like that, like that are uh, what, what go through my mind. So it starts with listening and then it, it comes to speaking. And those are, those are things that really, I, in my mind, are the hallmarks of a great com uh, communicator. Definitely agree there. The listening component is just crucial when it comes to what I think of as true communication. It, you, communication isn't just me putting information out there. It really is getting that response, getting the dialogue, and ultimately yeah. achieving the goal. Every meeting, every conversation, every sales pitch presentation that we're doing there's some sort of goal behind it. You're trying to accomplish something, persuade somebody to do something that you want them to do, move a project forward. So it isn't just me putting information out there in the universe. I really want to accomplish my goal to do that. I need to listen. I need to understand the other person's point of view. So if you, you, you mentioned a little bit about active listening and you know, the old adage of there's a difference between hearing somebody and really listening. So for, from a perspective of active listening, how do, you, how do you hone that skill? How do you get better at really listening? What are some of the things that you do when you're engaged in a meeting to make sure that you really are listening? The, probably the most crucial thing to realize is that our tendency as humans is to be thinking of what we're going to say in response to what the other person's saying. And so what I do, one is I remind myself frequently to be paying attention, but I take notes. You know, people think, oh, God, I don't want to be the note taker. I always volunteer to be the note taker because what I find is it keeps me focused on what somebody's saying and not focused on what my response is going to be. The second thing is being comfortable with perhaps that three to five seconds where you need to put your thoughts in order and then put something out that's a response to the question where it's so easy for people to start talking and you know you've i'm sure you've heard the term word salad things just start coming out and what what does that have to do with whatever it was that was going on in that conversation they're just trying to fill the void because they're not comfortable with the fact that there might be three to five seconds worth of silence as you collect your thoughts and put together a stream of response that is relevant to whatever the communication was that you received from the other side sometimes what that means as well is depending on the, the nature of the conversation, you might want to actually just repeat back what the person said to confirm that you heard what it was that they intended for you to hear. That, that old adage, well, that isn't what I intended. Well, that's great. I don't know what you intended because what it, you intended happened between your ears, not in, you know, in my hearing. And did I hear what you intended me to hear? It could be repeating the question. It could be restating a point, particularly in a negotiation. There are those kinds of tricks, most of which are just focused on being conscious to what was coming from the other person before you create the response. That is great. The, the thing that you mentioned there that I really love is this idea of being comfortable with the silence. The pause, the silence, whatever you want to call it, 
is a crucial factor in effective communication, whether it is giving a speech in front of an audience, a one-to-one -one communication, it, it helps in so many ways. But this idea of understanding and feeling comfortable with the fact that it is okay to sit there in silence for two or three, four, five seconds, whatever it may be, when somebody stops talking, process, and then come up with whatever it is, another question you may have, your response to that. For me, when somebody does that, it signals so many things. It signals that they really were listening, that they care, and that they are thinking about what they were going to say now, rather than thinking about that while I was talking. So they really were paying attention to me. And I, I've worked with so many people throughout my career, and there have been a handful that were great at doing that, where... And sometimes on the phone, it does feel a little awkward where there's that long <laughs> pause, like, you still there? And like, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm thinking. That is important. That is something that a lot of people aren't comfortable doing. And it makes a big difference when you get there to pause. Even just in conversations, it helps. And it helps with something else that you mentioned a little bit earlier, the idea of eliminating the word like, or it can help <laughs> to eliminate the ums, the ahs, the so's, the wells, oftentimes those are filler words because you're going so fast and your brain hasn't formulated that thought yet. So it's just filling in the gaps wherever it can with all of those words. And it just reminded me of, I'm not sure if you're a fan of The Office, but you know, the sure. character, Steve Carell's character, Michael Scott said something to the effect of, you know, sometimes I just start a sentence and have no idea where it's going and I hope I pick it up along the way. <laughs> and that's what's causing a lot of the problems with communications is that people aren't actively listening and they're not willing or comfortable to take that pause, gather their thoughts before they open their mouth. So that, that is great. I, I appreciate you sharing that. And then the third layer of that really is for me, self-awareness. You know, if you <laughs> want to focus on those listening skills, if you want to eliminate you know, some of the non-words or the filler words that you have, being aware of what those are for you is, is important. You know, at, at Communispond, we encourage folks a lot to record themselves presenting, record their, their conversations, their dialogues. It's amazing as to what you can pick up when you, when you watch yourself going through these exercises because it leads to that self-awareness. And then you can take the skills that we've talked about to help correct there. So no, that is, that's fantastic. Thank you. It's a huge point that people don't often realize uh, the, the listening to yourself. I, I did some training early in my career on communication. It was intended for executives. I wasn't an executive. They had an empty seat. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I got to go and be videotaped and get live critique of what's going on in the communication. And then later in my career, I was recording some training it wasn't an engineer, but the guy who was managing the recording and putting it into the software said to me, do you know you do this? And, and I have a sort of a sound that I used to make at the beginning of every sentence. And he said, I just spent the last eight hours editing those out. Here's what it sounded like originally. Here's what it sounds like now. And it was just another opportunity for me to be present to how I was portraying myself and how the communication was coming along. And so I, I love your idea of, of listening listening to yourself, it is a really enlightening exercise. Uh, I've recently changed the microphone setup on my computer so that not only do I have a, a microphone, probably like you do, but I also have a pair of monitors. 
so I can actually hear myself in my ears as opposed to, you know, when you're talking like this, you don't really pay attention because it's just my voice, right? Right. Listening to yourself is so critical because you don't often realize how you come across. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot of people don't don't like the sound of their voice or they don't like watching themselves on video or on screen, but it is something that you really work to get comfortable with. I've never been a fan of either of those, but with my role, seeing myself, you putting out videos and hearing these podcasts, you pick up on so much little things and it is just like exercise. You have to keep working at it. So if I go for weeks or months without recording something or doing something, a presentation, I definitely notice it's a little rusty. Those muscles are a little sore after that first time. It takes work to get back to where I was. So absolutely listen to yourself, watch yourself, and then continue to practice those skills. Yeah. And, you know, so if you think about you know, the current work that you're doing today <clears throat> with, with Resume Civ and the talent acquisition space, you know, we know as, as employers are out there working to fill open positions depending on the position, depending on the job market, they can be just flooded, inundated with, with resumes and really working to identify the right folks, the right skills. I, I would imagine some of your conversations, you're hearing from, from HR leaders around skills that are important to them. So, I mean, from your perspective, what are, what are some of the communication skills that, that you're seeing being most important in the business world today? The one I hear over and over again and I think this is, it's fairly recent, driven by generally the scarcity of people. If you can't find people who have the skills for the particular job, what they're looking for are people who are good communicators. Because if you can talk to people, if you can listen to people, if you've been in a server role or a customer service role or something where you've had to interact with people, and what you're missing is the, the technical side of whatever the job is. You can be trained in that. What you can't be trained at is necessarily being a good communicator. Now, I, I, I know you know that that's not true. You can train people to be good communicators. And generally, companies aren't looking to do that, certainly not on a mass scale, not at the entry level. They're looking for people who can talk, who can listen, who can get a point across, who know how to interact, if you will, because so many of the jobs that are vacant today that are harder, harder to fill are those ones that are customer facing, if you will, mm -hmm. across all kinds of industries. It's amazing the transferable skills if you're really open to those kinds of things. Now, the challenge, just to take this one step further, the challenge is you got to be in a position to be able to demonstrate those skills. And the other thing that companies are, are struggling with is making the decision too early in the cycle. And so they're booting people because they don't obviously have the skills to do the job. That doesn't mean that they can't do the job. It means mm -hmm. that it isn't obvious. They've been in some industry that's different or they've been in some role that's different. So it's, it's a real struggle. The company companies are really struggling with this. Do I ask for the specific skills or do I go for the general skills and then train and Successful companies are really figuring out how to take people who've got potential and bring them into the organization. You hit on something really important. There's this idea of transferable skills. When it comes to communication skills, if you're somebody that can hold a dialogue, you're somebody that can understand another person's point of view or perspective or just 
read people or help to de-escalate situ situations. And as you mentioned, if you've worked as a server, worked in customer service, you've probably had lots of practice to do those skills. Those are all skills that you can bring into any job environment, pick up the technical component of it, whether it is a sales job or if you're learning a new technology skill, pick up that component. And when you combine the two, that's really where we start to see traction with our clients. You know, oftentimes we get you know, clients come to us that saying, you know, we have people that are great at their jobs. If we put them in front of the computer, you know, they can work all day. But when we have to have them communicate with other people, whether it is putting them in front of a client or maybe they have to present to senior leadership about their project or their findings, the wheels just come off the bus. And so you always see this in job at job listings, you know, great communicator, strong communication skills must be able to present whatever it may be. So we know clients really are looking for that because those skills, you can take them and apply them to anywhere. That's what's so powerful about that. And yeah, the idea that these are skills that can be taught, but it takes a lot of work, a lot of practice to do that. And you know, companies typically aren't wanting to do that for thousands and thousands and thousands of people at maybe an entry level job. So they look for folks that have that. I think the key is figuring out on your resume, how do you put that out there that you have right. those types of skills? And then from the company side, on the sourcing side, how do you identify what those skills are? Yeah, hit on a really good point, which is how do you write your resume? And a lot of that has to do with how much attention are you paying to the job? All too often today, people are just applying. Uh, I, I was looking to fill a sales role recently, and it very clearly said SaaS, sales, understanding of HR tech. And of course, we're using our own, our own software to evaluate the resumes. That's a good thing. This, this guy came up at the top of the list and I looked at his resume because he had all the skills that, that we said we wanted, except that he'd been selling garden supplies for the last nine years. I'm sure he's a great garden supply salesman. I'm not putting those kind of guys down. It's, does your resume, are you really applying for a job that, that is something that, that reasonable that you can get? You have to pay attention to those kinds of things. And it's, it's an interesting balance. Uh, there, there's been a lot of push lately says, well, we're going to get rid of the resume. I, I don't see that happening anytime mm -hmm. soon. I think that's, you know, wishful thinking on the part of, of people who would rather their system be the, the system of record of and that hasn't happened. You know, I, I want just to add one thing. I talked about communication skills. Part of that is confidence. And this is you know, companies are looking for people who can, you, you hit on it really accurately. Can you do a presentation? Can you stand up in front of a group of people? Can you communicate with a client? Can you share good news? Can you share new news that maybe is not so good? And so there's a level of confidence that comes that somebody might be a very good listener and they might be very well spoken and they're not confident in how they project themselves. And so they never get that second chance. It's, it's an interesting mix that goes, I think, along with communication, part of being willing to be in front of the group, even if you're not very good, you got to be willing to be in front of the group. <laughs> you know, if you're even if you're learning skills to, to be there, you still got to be willing to be in front of the group. Oh, I, I don't like to do public speaking. Well, it's probably because you've never done it. Exactly. Or yeah, you've never done it. Or if you have, you haven't learned the the best ways to do it or the skills yeah. that will lead to an effective presentation or speech in front yeah. of an, an audience and there's a reason that public speaking is one of the biggest fears that people have is that 
most folks haven't gone through and put the effort in to really learn how to do it effectively. Because as you learn the skills that go along with giving a strong presentation, brings the nerves down, and then that confidence level goes up. It, you, we hear a lot about people looking for folks with executive presence. And yeah. you, you ask 100 people what executive presence means, you're going to get 100 different answers. But it, to me, it's a culmination of all these different types of skills. You know, can somebody listen? Can somebody are clearly, concisely articulate a message? Do they have that confidence when they stand in front of the room because they know the appropriate things to do where they're not going to be staring at the screen behind them reading verbatim? They're not going to be slouched over with their hands in their pocket. They're not going to talk very monotone and just be drone on like the guy from Ferris Bueller. So they've learned all these skills. And as you package them together over time, it leads to that confidence. It leads to that presence, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my, my favorite term for describing that is gravitas. And I, I don't think there's anybody can actually describe what gravitas is, but it's all those things that you just said. <laughs> That's what you're looking for somebody who just, they come in and there's a presence to them and they know it. And the, everybody in the room knows it. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it is a, it's a good skill to have. Definitely. Yeah. It may make a big, big impact on your career. And yeah. like, as you think about your career, if you had to point to maybe one of these skills, maybe it's something we've already, we've talked about, or we haven't talked about yet, you know, one communication skill that has really impacted you and helped you to achieve the level of success that you have, what would you say that that skill is? I think I would point to confidence. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a phrase that I learned in some of the training that I've done, which is, it, it's, it's a phrase that describes my approach to things, drives my wife crazy, because she absolutely understands it. I may be wrong, but I'm not unsure. I may be wrong, but I'm not unsure. <laughs> right, so it's confidence. It's, it's confidence. It's, it's something that, that I think by example, I learned from my father. My father was a, a minister and he was phenomenal at his craft and well thought of because for his speaking, he even had a radio show back when radio shows were the podcast of, of the day, right? <laughs> and he told me one time, he said, you know, every time before I get up on Sunday to, to give a sermon, I go to the bathroom and I puke. Because he had those emotions, but mm -hmm. you never saw him on stage. Mm -hmm. Just he was there. He was confident. He could deliver. And I, I believe that that is something that has helped me I, in, in good situations, bad situations. It's, it's having confidence that you can work through it one way or the other. That's that. It, if I had to say one thing that has distinguished, and there have been different things at different times mm -hmm. in my career, but that certainly is one that has been important in terms of, of moving forward is just remaining confident in what I do. When you lose confidence in yourself, man, it's difficult to, it's difficult to project that for somebody else. And then, and then the self-doubt starts creeping in. Mm -hmm. And so you, you can't accomplish things if you don't have the confidence that what you're doing is, is going to work out. Definitely. And I think one of the things that we really haven't hit on that ties into that confidence is preparation. You know, part of being confident is feeling prepared, one that I can go down the, the route that I have planned, whether it's a presentation, a sales meeting, a difficult conversation with somebody. I've done the work on the front end to prepare for 
questions that I'm anticipating, really pre prepare for delivering this message effectively, preparing for any variables that may happen so that when I get there, I'm not concerned about what if, what if they say this, what if this happens, yeah. what if the monitor goes out, what if they get upset? If you do the, the front end work that really is going to lead to, to that confidence in your meetings, in your communications, you know, I think a lot about professional athletes. When I think about this idea of confidence and preparation, I just remember seeing a video before where the, the broadcasters in a football game, they were breaking down Peyton Manning as he was walking up to the line of scrimmage. You could within two or three seconds, you just see him scan the, the defense, whatever package they had out there, and then immediately starts pointing, changing things, yelling his Omaha like he likes to do, moving people around. And that was because of the hours and hours and hours of film that I'm sure he had watched, all the work with yeah. his coaches, the practice throughout the week, the scouts, all of this preparation so that when he got up to the line of scrimmage, he could easily pivot, call an audible, so to speak, and change things. And you know, I think a lot of people see these athletes and just think, okay, they show up, they practice a few hours a day, they go through it. They've been doing this for years. They're good, but it is just mind blowing when you understand, especially at that quarterback position, if you think of that, say, quote, the leader, how much goes into it? I, I saw an interview with Cam Newton recently where he was walking through that. And this was uh, before he came back to the Panthers, but just an interview with his approach and how he just signals receivers. He sees something, he's kind of doing like little hand signals off to the side, very faintly, but all that work that went in and on the front end leads to that confidence to change the play, to make the, make the receivers move, run a hot route, all these different types of things. So it is so important. Make sure you're doing that work on the front end because it will pay dividends on the back end. Yeah, there's no question. It, it's one thing to have confidence that you can, you can handle the unexpected. And if you've taken the time to do the prep, you're so much further ahead than most people. This idea of just winging it in the room, whatever that room happens to be, whether it's a negotiation or it's a pitch or it's a de-escalation, it, it makes it so much more effective if you understand what it is that you've gone gotten yourself into. Definitely, definitely. So Mike, as you think about you throughout your career, who has been somebody that's influenced your communication style? And you know, what have you taken from them? Maybe it was a mentor that you had or somebody that you worked with or a boss or just even a, a, a business leader, so to speak, that maybe you didn't know personally. Who's somebody that you, you had influence on your style? The, the one person that immediately comes to mind is... Uh, I was I wasn't in sales, but I was reporting to the, the head of sales mm -hmm. for a company I was working for. And the one thing that he said to me that for a while made me self-conscious and it has helped me develop my communication style is he said, you're not the one in the room to tell the jokes. His message to me was my jokes weren't very good, which is okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not even the master okay. of the dad joke. I, you know, that's, that's not even my thing. It's how I was dealing with the conversation was I would, would be attempt to be funny. And I wasn't aware of it. I wasn't really aware of that's what I was doing. So I, I picked that example just to reinforce the idea that all too often, we're not aware of what we're doing until somebody points it out. And so it's that process of either being self-aware, which you covered earlier, or even going the step further, which is to ask for feedback. 
How did I do in that presentation? How did I come across? And this is something, particularly for leaders, this is often hard because if you're the leader, if you're the senior person in the room, asking other people for feedback, and it is something that I have practiced for a number of years, it's not just about me giving feedback to the other people in the room if I happen to be the most senior, it's about them giving feedback to me because there are things that I can learn from how I performed in the room that we can then move forward with the next time something comes up. So that um, I'm thankful to that sales guy. Um, and he, he did that lesson stuck with me. That doesn't mean I don't attempt to continue to be attempt to be funny. And there are times when it's appropriate. Now, my brother, phenomenal public speaker, he's in marketing. He's just got a string of jokes, surprisingly clean, surprisingly correct. And he can just he can just rattle them off. I'm a little more straightforward and to the point, and I recognize that there's there's a, just a mindset about being the comedian in the room. So um, I've gotten comfortable with that role. Yes, when when speaking or giving a presentation or you know a big speech in public, it is that's that fine line to walk of when to tell a joke, when to make a little quip, and understanding is that me right? If I'm typically not a joke telling, jovial, funny type of person, or it doesn't really tie into what I'm talking about. And you, you try to work a joke in there. A lot of times it will fall flat. So it's understanding yourself, understanding the audience, but what you hit on this idea of asking for feedback is so important. It's just one of the easiest ways to get better is to have a group of people around you that you trust that will give you that open, honest, constructive feedback to help you move to that next stage in your career. That's always great when you have people that will do that. And if you don't have that, I would recommend for anyone out there listening, and one of the, the prior guests talked about this, have your own private board of directors is what he called yeah. it. It's this group of people that he really trusts, that he values their opinion. And that periodically he will go to them and just ask for feedback as to how things are going, what he can work on, what he could do better. And I think that's important. So Mike, just want to be respectful of your time. As we wrap up here, any closing closing points, last piece of advice, maybe for somebody that is early in their career or perhaps somebody coming out of college that's getting ready to enter the workforce, especially from your position working with resume Civ, any, any pieces of advice for them as we wrap up today? Create the opportunities to be in a communication situation create those opportunities and embrace them all too often the the same people do are, are the ones who are the presenters the same people are the ones who who get the get the shot because they're the ones who put their hands up had a conversation with my daughter the other day she's a an engineer and she was a little concerned because she'd been asked to speak at a convention and i said that's the greatest thing in the world that opportunity i, I was mostly concerned that she had enough time to prep for it mm -hmm. which she did it's how do you how do you get those opportunities? And it often comes with raising your hand. I, I had one job where I moved, uh, changed positions uh, 11 times in 10 years. And people said to me, why did you change jobs so much? I said, because I raised my hand every time anything interesting came up. I raised my hand and said, well, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. You got to be willing to be the volunteer. And those are the kind of opportunities that are going to get you the preparation. Uh, there, you, we probably could find examples of people who've been successful always toiling in the background. And there are going to be fewer than the ones of people. You say, how did that person get ahead? I know right. as much as they did. I did better in school than they did. Yeah, 
yeah, well, they maybe they're putting themselves out there. Maybe they're making themselves available. Maybe they're putting themselves at risk in a situation and they're getting some recognition for it. So be the volunteer. That would be my one piece of advice, particularly for somebody new, be the volunteer. That is fantastic. As you mentioned, whether it's volunteering for a new job at work, volunteering for committees to serve on, whether it is at an organization you're involved with at your job, find opportunities to communicate, whether that is you're doing a presentation in class, doing <coughs> Zoom with, with friends outside of work, find these opportunities. We've talked about this a little bit. Communication skills are like muscles. You have to flex them. You have to use them for them to continue to grow and develop. The best way that you can do that, as you mentioned, is to raise your hand. So Mike, thank you again for joining me today. Really do appreciate it. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Scott. I enjoyed it and good luck to everybody. Thank you. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did and took a few useful nuggets away. A key point for me was around why it's so important to raise your hand. If you are looking to grow in your career, it is crucial to get involved as it will give you those opportunities to develop your skill sets. As always, if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to Communicast so that you can be notified of new episodes as they launch. Thanks and have a great day.